Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. Well, good morning, South Bay. Great to see you guys this morning. I know it's time to study God's Word, and I know you are here hungering and thirsting for it. So would you please find in your Bible 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, as well as Ephesians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 4 will kind of be a place for us to launch into So glad to be with you guys this morning. I love to hear you worshiping and clapping your hands and giving glory to God. Would you with me just give the Lord an applause for His grace this morning? Amen. Someone asked me what my favorite ice cream was, and I couldn't think of one I didn't like. So um, I'd like you to know all that um, there's not an ice cream that I don't like. But there is an ice cream. You guys know I'm from Calvary Chapel in Fort Lauderdale. We moved out here about six and a half, seven years ago. And um, there's an ice, a food store there called Publix. And they have a brand of ice cream called Trinity. Now, any ice cream called Trinity you know is from Jesus. I'll just say that. All right. Why don't we go to the Lord in prayer as we prepare our hearts for his word. Lord God, we are so thankful for the great grace of God and so thankful for how you operate in our lives through grace. And whether we are sitting here in this sanctuary or watching online, my prayer, Lord, is that you would use your word to change our lives. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I'm going to pick it up on verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. But we all, with God's calling, (laughs) but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Church, say amen. Amen. And what you're amening is the fact that every single one of us has the chance to change. Every single one of us has the chance to change, even your mother-in-law. Now, I know my mother-in-law is watching, so I would like to say hello. You are perfect in all of your ways. But Paul is writing the church in Corinth, and this church had radically changed. Uh, just flip back a few pages to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I want you to see this. Just flip back a couple of pages. Keep your hand in 2 Corinthians. Would you look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 6? I'm going to pick it up in verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, 
nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Listen to this. And such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Do you see who this church was? And he said to them, such were some of you. In other words, you have been changed. That's hope for all of us. That's hope for every single one of us. I want to remind you who the author of this book, this letter to the second, in 2 second Corinthians is. It's the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul had radically changed. He had met Jesus on the road to Damascus and he turned from persecutor to promise giver of the gospel. That's the Apostle Paul. It was Jesus that would look at Simon Peter in John chapter 1 and say to him, You are Simon, but you shall be Cephas. I know what I'm going to do with you. I'm going to change you. Amen. You see, it is Jesus who nicknamed John the Son of Thunder. And I don't know if you know, that wasn't a great nickname. That means that John had an anger problem. And it was John who wanted to burn up the Samaritans, you remember, in Luke's gospel. But it was John, the son of thunder, who would become the apostle of love. You see, Jesus changes people, and Dave Wilkerson believed this. And in New York City, if you remember the cross and the switchblade, he would go into the gangs of New York City, oftentimes getting beat up by them because he believed that one gang member, Nicky Cruz... He could come to the gospel. He could come to Christ. And after one day getting beat up by him, he still went back into those gangs. And church, Nicky Cruz got saved. He went from a gang leader to an evangelist because Dave Wilkerson believed in change. It's Elizabeth Elliot. And after the death of her husband, Jim Elliott, on the beach that day in Ecuador, Jim Elliott, along with four other missionaries in the 1950s, they gave their life ministering to the Huarani tribe. And it would be Elizabeth Elliott that believed in the gospel. And she believed in the power of change. And she would go back to Ecuador and lead those that murdered her husband to Christ. And one of them, by the name of Minkaya, He would come to Jesus, the very one that killed Nate Saint. He would take Steve Saint, his child, and raise him as his own to where Steve Saint calls the murderer of his father, dad, and his children call him grandpa. You see, let me tell you something. Jesus changes people's lives. Now, I know what happens in some of our minds when I even say the word change. There's a reaction to some of us. Some of us, well, we like the outcome, we don't like the process. Some of us will actually resist change. Like, for example, if I was to say right now, everyone from this side of the auditorium, change your seat and move over here, and everyone from here, move over here, and you guys just mix yourself up. Some of you started sweating. Is he really going to do that? I've sat here for 35 years. I've never moved from this seat. It's got my name on it. I even leave a note for myself. This is my seat right there in the pew. You won't dare ask me to change. 
Some of you are going, whoo, change? That'll be great for this church. Let's just move everybody right now. You already started standing. Change. Some of us hope that other people change. Some of you might be sitting here and you're nudging your husband right now. I hope you're listening. You might be nudging your wife. Don't do it. Trust me, she won't cook tonight. You might be thinking, I hope my child changes, my teenager, I hope they get to their 30s and skip 16 through 28. I'll never forget, I don't know if you know this about me, I'm a born and raised Bahamian. And I want to let you know, I'm from the Bahamas, and we still believe in spanking our children in the Bahamas, okay? So very lovingly, we, you know, discipline our children. Well, I'll never forget when my child was young, we were walking into a food store. And I was working at Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale as the outreach pastor, but we were living in the Bahamas doing outreach. So I would travel back to Fort Lauderdale every week. So we're living there, and my son was unruly. And I said to him, son, you know what's going to happen? We're going to take a trip to the bathroom." And my son knew that wasn't to go number ones or number twos. That was like something was going to happen. Well, let me tell you. He said to me, Dad, if you spank me, I'm going to run to a camera. And I'm going to tell the camera, he's spanking me. We are in aisle eight when he says this. We turn into aisle nine. And there is a Bahamian woman. She has taken her shoe off. And she is mercilessly beating her child in aisle nine. And she, let me tell you something about Bahamians. They will spank until they're done talking. And if they've run out of words, this is what they do. Don't you ever, 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 ever. And they'll keep going. They'll just keep going. Aisle nine, never forget it. The woman looked at me and she goes, I, 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 she looked at me and she said this, boy, leave him here with me. I'll deal with him. My son looked at me, I'm sorry, Dad, don't leave me with her. And there was immediate change. (laughs) However you view change, this word defines believers. But the Bible uses a different word. It uses the word transformation. Everybody say transformation. And all this big word means is that we're becoming more and more like Christ each and every day. And what Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, is a statement of our faith. We all are being transformed. It's a statement of faith. We all are being transformed. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul goes a little bit deeper and he says this, Don't be conformed to this world but be transformed. It's a direction. Be transformed. It's a direction in Scripture, not just a statement. Now let me explain. We're all in the process of change. Every single one of us. Let me prove it to you. Listen carefully, and every time I say the word love, put your name in. Okay? Love suffers long and is kind. Love doesn't envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. 
Love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. Love is not provoked. Love thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but love rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Now, if you could check off every single one of those as accomplished and performed in your life, raise your hand. Thus I proved. We are all in the process of change. Now, some of you might be thinking to yourself, my goodness, how will I ever live up to this definition? Don't worry about it. Do you remember what Jesus called the Spirit of God? The helper. You see, the role of the Spirit of God is to help change you from the inside out. That's Paul's point. The proof of the Spirit in you, Church of Corinth. The proof of the Spirit in you, Church of South Bay, is that you are changing and you are being transformed. You are becoming more and more like Jesus each and every day. Now you remember, the Corinthians had a major change. I read their list of sins in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And when they came to Christ, and when they got saved, there was immediate change. But church, I need to let you know something. It's what Paul's point is here. Transformation doesn't stop at salvation. Even though you may have gone from drugs and addicted to drugs to addicted to Christ, even though you may have lost your foul language and now you shout hallelujah, even though you may have had immediate change at salvation, a change and transformation is not just about salvation. It would be like a a caterpillar going into a cocoon and only coming out after the transformation with one wing. Well, the transformation's not complete. Go back in your cocoon. You need another wing to fly. You see, transformation is not just salvation. Transformation is sanctification. It's being changed over the course of our entire life. Now, I don't know about for you, but sanctification, it's hope for me. Because how many of you have things yet to change to be more like Christ? How many of you have things yet to change? Um... All of you who are not telling the truth, go ahead and raise your hand now. (laughs) Once again, how many of you have things to change in your life? Pastor Timothy Keller was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. He's in the final stages, and I listened to a podcast of him just a few uh, months ago. And it was asked of him, how are you doing with your diagnosis? His response. I asked God, why did he give me a death date? Why did he give me, I only have a few months to live? And this was his response. And Jesus told me. Now for a Presbyterian, for Jesus to speak to a Presbyterian, you know it's the Spirit of God, okay? (laughs) And Jesus told me, there are things yet to be sanctified in your life that you've ignored, and I want you to work on them. Wow. Sanctification happens over the course of our life. And the fact that I'm not dead yet, but I know that I've got a death date, I've got to be sure that I'm being sanctified from glory to glory, one step at a time. That's the way that the Spirit works. You see, 
when the Corinthians received this letter, they were wondering this thing too. How do we change? How can we change? Is there hope for us? And so there were teachers. Teachers that came into the Corinthian church and they said, let us help you change. But they weren't teaching transformation. They were teaching subjugation. The law needs to rule your life. And if you choose to do this and do this and don't do that and don't do that, if you follow these ten things, you are going to change. And they were following the rule of law, not the law of the Spirit. Let me tell you what Paul called those guys. If you're back in 2 Corinthians, look up a few verses at chapter 2, verse 17. Chapter 2, verse 17, for we are not, as so many, peddling the word of God. 2 Corinthians 2, 17, I'm not like those peddlers. Well, let me tell you what they were doing. These peddlers were coming in, and they were promising, and they were selling a quick fix to change. They were the original self-help gospel. And any time that you add an adjective in front of the gospel outside of everlasting, you are going a wrong direction. They were the original self-help doctrine. Buy my book, follow my steps, go my program, and you will change. Follow my law. But that's not the way the Spirit works. James, the half-brother of Jesus, he would say this in James chapter 1, verse 4. Listen carefully. Let patience have its perfect work so that you will be perfect and complete. Let me tell you what that means. That means there is no spiritual pill that you can take at night and pop up in the morning and go, look what a mighty man of God I am. There is nothing you can buy. There is no book that can help you change outside of the word of God. What the Spirit is saying, there is no quick fix to change. He does it over our lifetime. He does it one step at a time. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, verse chapter 3, verse 18, from glory to glory. This is the law of the Spirit. Let me explain. The law of the Spirit simply means this is the way that the Spirit works. He conforms us into the image of Jesus from glory to glory, one step at a time. And let me give you the secret to change. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. He's the one that helps us change. Without the Spirit of God, there can really be no real change because he changes us from the inside out. Now take a look back at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Maybe you want to underline that. It's outlined in my Bible. We all. We. He's speaking to Christians. He's saying if anyone has hope to change, it's believers. If you're struggling with a sin and you can't seem to change, he's saying if there's any hope for anyone, it's to believers. He's letting us know we can change. He's letting us know we can all change. He's letting us know we will change. 
And if you have the Spirit of God inside of you, there's hope for all of us to change. Now let me help us understand something. If you would, look back at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. But we all, with unveiled face. What's he talking about here? Well, this goes all the way back to Israeli history at the time of Moses. And for your reading, I would encourage you to read all of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. But for our time's sake, I'm going to tell you the story. You see, Moses would be the only one that could change. Moses would go up on the mountain, and he would be with God. And when he would come down from that mountain as the only one that could go up there, the only one that could see the glory of God, Moses would come down off that mountain and all of a sudden he would be glowing like Casper the ghost. And what I wanted to do, I wanted them to have a light here so that when I said that, all of a sudden I would glow. And you would be like, whoa, God is moving, right? No, no, no. It was not manufactured for Moses. He was just simply shining the glory of God. But there was a problem. The glory would fade. And Moses didn't want anyone seeing the glory fading. So he would cover his face all of the time. So whether he was glowing or not, nobody would know. Now, let me explain why. If you're the leader, just imagine, okay? Imagine, you guys, you guys know me, but been here many times. I've spoken for Jeff at least once a year on a Sunday when he goes on vacation. And you know who I am. Imagine one time I come up here and I go, open your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. South Bay, it's great to see you. I hope you're doing good. You'd be like, something's wrong with Chet. <laughs> right? Well, imagine you're Moses. One day you got a glow, the next day you don't. People would be going, something's wrong. Moses is in sin. Moses, you better get back on that mountain and get glowing again because we ain't going to follow you without the glow. Moses is a good leader. He goes, I'm covering my face. I don't want anyone to see whether I'm glowing or not. But Moses didn't know that this glow It was a symbol. You see, the law that Moses was given was glorious. It was truly glorious. And Paul tells us why in Galatians chapter 3. In Galatians chapter 3, you don't need to turn there. Maybe write it in your notes, verse 24. The law was glorious because it pointed to the fact we needed a Savior. There was no way for us to live up to that law. But the truth of the law is that the law would truly fade in the light of Christ. There was no way that the law would supersede Christ. No, the law was glorious because it pointed us to Christ. And Moses, he would cover himself with this veil, but we see here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror. Unveiled face? What does this mean? Well, look back up at chapter 3, verse 16. Chapter 3, verse 16 of 2 Corinthians. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil's taken away. Do you know something supernatural happens when you give your life to Jesus? You go from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. That's why you can't curse anymore. Do you remember the way you used to talk? Ooh. And you know when you hear those words now out, when you're walking downtown L.A., you go, ugh. 
I can't believe they talk like that. I hope you remember the way you used to talk so you can be a little more grace-filled. Do you remember what you used to watch? And now it's like, oh my goodness, some of the billboards, I can't even drive in L.A. anymore. Do you remember what some of the things you used to do? You see, what happened supernaturally when you gave your life to Jesus, well, the Spirit came inside of you and He started convicting you. The veil is moved away. No longer do you need the law. No, take a look at verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You see, what happened is when you accepted Christ, the Spirit of God came in you. And you get to look more and more like Jesus with each and every passing day. So you don't have to move the veil. When you go to work, why don't you curse anymore? Hey, why won't you be part of this conversation anymore? Hey, why won't you go gambling with us anymore? More and more glorious. People can see the change. And what the Spirit is, what he set us free. He set us free from the law. He came inside of us. And now, here's what the Spirit does. Don't do that. You ever heard him before? How many have ever sensed conviction? Anyone ever sensed conviction? Guess what? The Spirit's in you. How many have ever heard him say, you better go there. You better move there. You better do that. So, now, let the Spirit use me. Everyone get up and let's move. (laughs) Why are you laughing at me? Because I'm not the Spirit. I don't have to tell you what to do. You see, you've got the Spirit inside of you, and He'll tell you to move if it's time for you to move. It's the way the Spirit works. He's guiding us each and every day to become more and more like Christ. And I have found in Scripture, there are three ways, and I want you to write these down, that the Spirit moves inside of us to change us to be more like Christ. Take a look at 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Let me tell you what James says. You can write it down in your notes. James says this, James chapter 1, verse 22. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately he forgets who he was. But a man who looks into the perfect law of liberty, in other words, the word of God, and continues in it, and is not forgetful here, but a doer of this work, this one will be blessed in what he does. The half-brother of Jesus lets us know in James chapter 1, look into the word. It's the mirror of Jesus. There's your point. Look into the Word. This is what the Spirit does. This is how He works as we look into the Word. Now, let me tell you what Jesus said. Do you remember after the resurrection, He's speaking with the disciples, and He's trying to explain Himself to the disciples? Well, let me tell you what He said in Luke chapter 24, verse 44. Jesus says to the disciples, listen carefully, Luke 24, 44. These are the words I spoke to you while I was still with you that all the things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. 
Let me tell you what Jesus did. He opened the Bible and he went like this. Here's me. Here's me. Here's me. Here's me. So let me tell you what that means, church. The word of God is the only surviving portrait of Jesus. The word of God is the only surviving portrait of Jesus. And when we look into it like a mirror, we see Jesus. Now, I know in our 21st century world, this is hard to understand because it's words. Because we have iPhones. And all we have to do is we pull out our iPhone, iPhone, we take a picture of where we're at, and we text it to one of our friends to describe the mood that we're in. Or we take a picture and we post it on... You just dated yourself. Some of you said Facebook. Get with the program. We put it on Insta, okay? Man. South Bay, catch up. And we want everyone to see us on Insta. Now, it may not be true. You may be smiling and then crying in the next moment. But everyone thinks, woohoo, you're having a great time. It's different with the Bible. The Bible gives a more vivid description of Jesus than a picture. Because it's God's text message to the church. I want you to see my Insta. And he shows us a visual picture of Jesus. He gives us a detailed sketch of what Jesus said. And church, let me tell you something. Out of the abundance of the heart speaks the mouth. And when we read the words of Jesus, we begin to see the picture of his heart. You see, what the word of God does, it uses every color on the palette with story after story after story. And we see Jesus healing a lame man and we begin to understand. And his grace begins to unfold when that man sat there for 38 years. And Jesus says, do you want to be made well? And masterfully, with many different painters or authors, they wrote a visual description of our God. You see, the truth of the word is it reveals the glory of the Lord. And when we have the Spirit and we open up our Bible, the Spirit opens up our eyes to see how loving and merciful and graceful Jesus is. That's why we look into the Word. And let me tell you something. The Lord is truly glorious. Look what the Bible says once again in 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And let me tell you something when I look in the mirror of the Word. When I look in the mirror, I realize he's glorious and I'm not. And I realize one of these things is not like the other. And so point number two, I need to diligently learn his ways. It's the way the spirit works. You're here at church. I need to diligently learn his ways. Let me tell you a story. I'm kind of embarrassed about it. But you guys are family. Just got my driver's license. I'm taking. This is when 16-year-olds could take other 16-year-olds out in their car. My son just got his driver's license. Two days later, he goes, can I take my friend? No. The state of California says you have to wait. So you're going to wait. 
Well, Dad, I mean, you speed, and the state of California says you got to go 45, and sometimes you go 80. (laughs) Yes, we're praying for change. (laughs) So I'm 16 years old, going on my first date in my 65 convertible Mustang that I bought. I rebuilt the engine, painted it fire engine red. I redid the interior. Dude, I was so cool, okay? (laughs) Any girl wanted to go out with me. I asked five, finally one agreed. (laughs) Took her for dinner, took her out in the movies. And at the end of the movie, like I've been with her like three and a half hours, okay? At the end of the movie, I go into the bathroom, okay? And now I'm washing my hands. And I'm like, so cool, right? Okay. And I smile like, look at you, brother. (laughs) And when I smiled, there was a green dangling piece of salad in my teeth. I was shocked. I was embarrassed. I was thinking, no wonder she didn't kiss me. I had a little dangly piece of salad. She must have wanted to get sick taking a look at this thing. I couldn't believe it was there in my mouth. Oh, let it be someone else's mouth. And now I'm doing everything I can to pick this out. I'm washing my mouth. I'm picking. I'm doing everything I can. Get the green out. Sometimes when we look into the word, we see some green in our teeth. You ever had that happen in your devotions? (gasps) Oh my goodness, I'm not like Jesus. In fact, I got green in my mouth. It's embarrassing. Sometimes it's difficult to receive. Even Jesus said that his way is difficult and the road is narrow. In Matthew chapter 7, you might even be a little convicted like, oh my goodness, I've got to do whatever I can to get the green out. I mean, how many of you have been reading scripture and you read something like, when someone forces you to go one mile, go the second, you would have thought of that. That would have come up in your fleshly mind. Yeah, someone makes me walk one mile, I'm going to do another second mile for them. How many of you would have come up with, hey, when someone slaps you on one cheek, turn the other? I've always said there's a three-strike rule. Here's the three-strike. First one, let them strike you. Second one, let them strike you. Third one, make sure you turn. Jesus doesn't give the rule for that one. So you can do whatever you want. No, that's the law. But the spirit is, I'm going to turn the other cheek. But the truth of it is, none of us have learned that in and of ourselves. We've learned to share, be kind, be graceful, and be loving, and be like Elizabeth Elliot that goes to the murderers of her husband and lead them to Christ, because that's what Jesus did. We learned it from him. Amen? Now, go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. I want you to see this. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read verse 20. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to pick it up in verse 20. But you've not so learned Christ. If indeed you've heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off, take the green out, concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, you wash your mouth out, and that you put on the new man, brush your teeth, which was created according to God in true righteousness. When we learn Christ, 
We don't walk away from the mirror with a dangling piece of salad in between our teeth. That would be foolish. When we learn it, we do everything we can, take it out of our life. And let me tell you what the Spirit does. He gives us the power to not be ashamed. It's why Paul would say, you'll see it on the screen in 2 Timothy chapter 2, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, a worker who doesn't need to have green dangling things in his teeth, rightly dividing the word of truth. As I dig into the word of God and I learn his ways, I have an opportunity, here's point number three, to live his abundant life. To live his abundant life. Now, let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I want you to see this. Take a look. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. We're going to look just like Jesus from glory to glory, one step at a time, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Gang, we're going to be transformed into the image of Jesus over the course of our life. You see, in John 10, verse 10, Jesus said this, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. So if you think another life is good with Satan, take a look at the result. But look what Jesus says. I've come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. And I know you might be walking through life going, I don't know if I can be like Jesus. This is just so overwhelming. I want you to see it the way Jesus sees it. He sees it as abundant life because bitterness is so much better than forgiveness, right? resentment is so much better than being loving. Do you know there are are scientific proof that bitterness and resentment actually shorten your life because they produce stressors in your body that affects your body in radical ways? No wonder Jesus said forgive. No wonder he said to be loving because he wants to give you abundant life. He doesn't overwhelm us. I'm so grateful that when I got saved, Jesus didn't deal with all my sin because I would probably be on medication. If Jesus came and said, change now, boom, I'd be, whoa! I mean, I just wouldn't be able to do it. But what the Lord does is step by step, from glory to glory, with every situation, experience, and circumstance in our life, he begins to change us. When I was younger, I'm a surfer, and when I was younger, I used to watch surfing videos. Guys like Tom Curran. These are like way old people, okay? And I would, I would look at them, and I would learn how they stood. I would learn how they would just uh, uh, go up a wave, down a wave. I would learn how they did 360s. I was just watching everything. And then what I would do, I would look, I would learn, and then I would go in the water, and I would live, It's the same thing spiritually. We look into the word. We learn his ways. We put it into practice. Jesus said, if you want to be a wise person, Matthew chapter 7, I want you to hear and I want you to do my word. Then you're going to be like a wise guy who built his house on the rock. Don't be foolish and hear what I have to say and don't do it. 
James would say in James chapter 2, he would say, listen, I'm going to show you my faith by my works. But there's a problem. Sometimes when Jesus is having us take the green out of our teeth, it don't feel good. It doesn't feel abundant. I was a missionary in Liberia, West Africa, and I learned the language. Okay? I'm going to tell you, and you're going to say it, okay? To say hello, you say, everyone do it. You sound ridiculous. Right here we go. Yeah, I know, right? Are you kidding me? You see, Bassa is a, it's a tonal language. So the word ni, 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 ni are four different words. Now you learn it. Some of you are now mocking me. And when I was learning it, it sounded awkward at first. And I would just go, morning. Well, that's not the word. The word is morning. Don't say morning because that won't be understood. Say morning. Say, say morning. Oh, you're getting so much better. You know why? You're practicing. And now no longer is it awkward. It's kind of like flowing out of you. One more time. Oh, my goodness. Look at you. You've even got masks on and I can hear it. All right. One more time. Oh, my goodness. I thought you were Liberian there for a second. You see, what happens when we start practicing Jesus' way, it might feel a little awkward, but if you keep it in practice, it's just going to flow. And you're going to be the sheep in Matthew 25. When Jesus goes, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. And they looked at Jesus and go, when did we do that? Oh. Do you remember the first time you went to the prison ministry? You remember the first time you went to kid life? Do you remember the first time you served as an usher? Oh, it feels a little awkward. Now you've been doing it 30 years. Sit down, kid. <laughs> I've been doing this a long time. Jesus loves you, and you will be obedient. <laughs> you ain't worried at all. Ready? You put it into practice. And you'll be the sheep. Well, when did we do this? Oh, you've been in practice. It's just flowing out of you. And you don't even know anymore. You're just me. Church, look into the word. Learn his ways. Live the abundant life. Do you know that it was by the spirit of God that Jesus said, Lazarus! Come out of that grave. And do you know it's by the Spirit, Paul says, that we can change. And if the Spirit can call a dead man to life, what problem do you think you have that Jesus can't deal with it? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you would be glorified in our lives. And I pray, Lord that you would use this message to bring change in people's lives. Now, I want you with my prayer, those of you that you know and God has right now in his spirit given you something that you need to change, you go ahead and raise your hand. You know there is something in your life that needs to change. So, Father, I pray for all of those humble, lifted hands. Move in their spirit. 
and by the Spirit bring change. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? Hey, church, I believe in memorizing Scripture as the way that the Spirit works. So you're going to see a Scripture. Take a look, 2 Corinthians 3.18. We're going to memorize this this week, okay? We're going to memorize it this week because it's going to give us power. So would you say it with me? All right, let's do it together, church. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And what I want to do is challenge you. Take a look at the screen. I want to challenge you with this. It's a challenge to change for each one of us. Purpose to change one thing about you this week to look more like Jesus. Let the Spirit move in you so that you look more like Christ. Now let's worship Him. He's so much bigger than us. We need to decrease so that He can increase. Amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.